From the EPR Creation Studio, this is the Unconquered Podcast. I'm Jason Staples. As always, this show is brought to you by EPR Creations. EPR Creations partners with small businesses for website development and online strategy planning. If you have any need for an improved internet presence or want to improve your marketing, call EPR Creations. Let them know you heard about them from the Unconquered Podcast. And while you're at it, go over to showthesafeties.com and sign the petition so that we can actually see more of the game when we're watching on television. So uh, it's that time of week, and uh, actually I didn't do a Miami breakdown. Uh, I haven't done a Miami breakdown yet, uh, and I haven't posted my Miami Patreon X's and O's film session yet, but I will get that posted later. I guess this uh, preview will post on Friday, so later today, if you're listening to it on Friday. Got to get a few things out of the way there, just a couple updates from my end. Uh, I've stepped back on the field for the last part of the season, coaching-wise, and uh, you know all of that for a little bit. Uh, the, the place where I'd been coaching last year, many of you know, I uh, my wife and I had a, a child this year, so I took a uh, I stepped away from the field uh, for the year. But uh, but that team, the the staff, basically asked me to come back for the end of the year and for the playoff run. Uh, if they were able to make the playoffs. And as of last week, uh, which was my first game back on the sidelines, looks like uh, we're in the playoffs. So already doing a little bit of extra work on that. And uh, then also all of this coaching carousel stuff is uh, taking up a little bit of time. So that's why I'm a little bit behind on that. And also, I think most of you were much more interested in hearing about the initial coaching stuff than hearing more about that Miami game. But We'll address some of that in the film session and then also uh, address some of some of these things over the course of the next week or two at any rate. So uh, I do want to get to a couple things before I do the BC preview, which is quite frankly going to be pretty short. There's not a ton to break down there, uh, but we'll do a little bit of a, of a BC preview. Got a few questions that I want to get to it, uh, get to beforehand. Uh, so number one, uh, I've, I've gotten a number of questions about the search firm that Florida State hired, uh, this uh, DHR International and Gre- uh, Glenn Sugiyama, and what my thoughts are there. I really don't know enough, honestly, to have a whole lot of thoughts. I know they've placed some good coaches in, some, in, in specific places. I mean, most notably, Jeff Brom at Purdue, who I, I, think, I think Jeff Brom's one of the better coaches in, in the game in, the college, in, in college football. Uh, and for them to land him for Purdue is a is a big deal. Uh, they put Jim Harbaugh at Stanford. I mean, there's there's a, a number of those. I mean, I I I did tweet, uh, you know, when they, when it was first announced, and they you know listed, I think it was Charlie Weiss, and uh, it was some other some other complete failure of a of, of a coach who who this this search firm had worked on. And I, I tweeted something out along the lines of, "Man, if that's going to get you repeat business, I'm in the wrong business," which is probably true, uh, but. They've done some good work, and what really matters for these search firms is more. it's more about the ability to back-channel and contact agents and so on on behalf of the school more than it is anything else. They, they keep, these search firms have large Rolodexes. They, they are able to get in touch with people that the athletic department otherwise wouldn't be able to get in touch with so easily. Uh, 
So if you're an athletic director and you don't have the direct contact information for a specific coach, or maybe you don't know who that coach's agent is, and then you go dialing around trying to figure that out, well, now you're showing who you're interested in and all of that. Plus, with the sunshine laws and all of those things, that stuff becomes public record before too long. So these search firms are hired as much for their ability to be discreet and deal with things and and explore some numbers even and do some preliminary stuff on behalf of the school before it ever even gets to negotiation or whatever, as well as collecting basically data and interest uh, for on behalf of the school as well. I do think that they would be, that Florida State would be advised to incorporate every piece of information they can. I still think that they should hire uh, uh, the analytics firm that Dave Bartu runs as a supplemental piece in the decision-making process. I think that stuff's important to have. Uh, and, and, you know, that's not all that expensive. So you do that sort of thing just to make sure you have every possible duck in a row. I mean, that, you, you get the best search firm you can. You make sure that they can contact the people you want. You want to make sure you have all the analytic data. You do all of that stuff as much as possible. That's what you're doing. And so, so for me, it's, it's less about what the search firm is doing there. I think you, any, any search firm that has a lot of contacts and all of that, ultimately, that's, that's helpful. But what's, what it's going to come down, down to is the decision makers at Florida State once they've actually talked with the coaches and all of that. Uh, and coaches that are interested in this job, and there's going to be a lot of them, they're going to contact or have their agents contact DHR International and then you know, that gets taken back to Florida state as well. So that, that makes things some, it makes things easier. Uh, the next question I've gotten, I've gotten a ton of questions about Bob Stoops. Uh, some of you again, who follow me on Twitter will note that when all of those things, uh, were posting, I put up that kind of tongue in cheek, uh, reference to Robert Paulson from, uh, from fight club and, you know, him, uh, him, uh, comforting the, character the, the the protagonist from Fight Club of course uh because you know I wasn't sure there there were rumors going around a lot about what was going on with Bob Stoops uh but you know I wasn't really sure what was what was going to happen initially I did get word from some high up, from more on the high up booster side that Florida State really believed that they were going to get him but that uh that was very quickly contradicted from the Stoops side of things uh basically uh, vigorously, actually, vociferously contradicted that Bob is not going to take that job. So all things being equal, I think Florida State is uh, is optimistic about the possibility that they could get him. Some of the decision makers are confident that if they open up their wallets big enough in Florida State, right now there's a billionaire booster who is actually interested in making sure that this all gets right. So that that's helpful. Florida State has not had a whole lot of those in the past, and they don't have very many now. But uh, they're they're basically in a position to uh, they're they're trying and and even with that they don't have you know the money to to really put on the table as much as a lot of programs would but they're they're putting a lot on the table from what I'm told to try to lure Bob Stoops out of retirement but again from the Stoops side of things I, I've got one uh, one person who's fairly well connected to the Stoops family uh, that basically was in contact with them and said look, it's not going to happen. So I'm not real optimistic that the Bob Stoops deal gets done for Florida State. No, I don't really expect that to happen. I think uh, 
Like I said, I think Florida State, all the way to the very top, believes that they're going to make it happen. But I, I think we've seen this song and dance a lot with a lot of schools over the years. And, you know, Florida thought they could get Mike Shanahan and, you know, all of this other stuff at different points. And uh, Gruden was coming back to coach first Florida and then Tennessee and all that. I think that just happens with these big jobs. And I'm pretty pessimistic about Florida State's ability to lure Bob Stoops out of retirement when Bob Stoops already was at a much better, was at a program in much better shape in Oklahoma, one that actually had less stress and less work to deal with than the Florida State program and retired from that. And yeah, he retired because he said he wanted to make sure that he handed it off to the right guy and you know that his legacy would be carried on by Lincoln Riley. Yeah, that's true. But at the same point, I don't think you you step down and retire from from Oklahoma partly because you want to you know keep your health and all of that and actually have a life after football and then take the Florida State job. So I don't I don't I don't expect that that happens. Uh, and again, my the, the the person I've talked to on this keeps coming back to and and again I don't I'm I'm not connected to the Stoops family here. So this is to some degree second third hand information. Uh, everything I've heard is that he's really not interested in getting back to the college game. And even if he did go back to the college game, it's not clear how much he'd really want to work. And that does matter. And I also want to address uh, something that came up a couple times, a few times, actually, a number of comments uh, came in after the last episode, which generally uh, there was a lot of appreciation for what I was able to candidly lay out there. But there were a few people that said, you know, it's easy to look to come go in hindsight and, and call forward and say, well, you know, I, I sent out texts that, uh, you know, Florida state was in trouble or whatnot, but you know, this is, it's real easy to be revisionist or whatnot. Uh, you know, one, uh, one, one I'll read here. I have to say it would have been valuable to know your conclusions earlier uh, or conclusions in that regard in the predictions of your stats driven driven consultant much earlier than 11319 hindsight usually raises questions about credibility well here's the thing uh, and not everybody has i understand that not everybody has been listening to this podcast uh for years and years and years but back in november of 2017 and that's still a, an episode those are episodes that are still available when i was asked what my thoughts on that coaching hire were, I, I was very public. I made it clear that my stats-driven consultant, this is Dave Bartu, uh, actually that he had said Willie Taggart wouldn't be in his top 25 for Florida State. And I was very candid about my concerns about Willie Taggart as a potential uh, hire for Florida State at that time. So this is that was 11-17, not 11-3-19. So, I mean, I, I did say it two years ago. Uh, and a lot of these things also, uh, I mean, I made clear on Twitter at the time as well, uh, and at different points uh, up to and at the beginning of that hire. Uh, beyond beyond that, he also uh, I've all, I also got a couple things about you know would have been nice to have had some more information about a lot of the behind the scenes dysfunction that can you know you could do that without exposing sources and all of that. Uh, those of you with inside information do owe that much to the audience you seek. Well, I actually don't agree with that. And I'll tell you why. And it really starts with why I do this to begin with and why I started doing this, why I continue to do it. And that is 
I mean, I, I started doing this back in 2007, not the podcast that, that came a little bit later, but, uh, but starting to do the work that I did for Noel Digest initially, uh, over on the, on, on the scout platform, and then eventually running that website as the editor publisher and all of that, uh, I mean, many of you who are longtime listeners will remember when Wayne McGahey, of now of the Tallahassee Democrat, was my intern over at Noel Digest. Uh, you know, he did great work, and you know, I'm really happy to see him doing, continuing to do good work for uh, for the Tallahassee Democrat. But the reason that I that I started doing this to begin with is that I, I, I as a former player at Florida State. I got I started getting really frustrated with a lot of the stuff that I saw at the time in 2007 it was it was on you know forums and things like that this is really pre true social media stuff but all of the criticism and all of the different things that were going around on on the forums and all of that from people who really didn't understand what was going on so there were typical criticisms but a lot of the criticisms were wrong some of the criticisms that weren't being made were right and then some of the criticisms that were being made were wrong. And I wanted to come in and try to raise the level of the discourse, raise the level of the of what was going on, and help people understand what was happening. And that that continues really to be my mission and what I what I'm trying to do as a part of this podcast. I mean, I don't make a ton of money off of this, and it's not like I have, you know, a big name or anything like that that really matters in all of this, but I do hope that those of you who listen are actually better informed and better understand what's happening and what coaches are trying to do, what's going on schematically, what players are, what, you know, what mistakes players have made, what they've done really well, et cetera. I'm trying to make sure that the level of discourse overall is, is, is increased because I think there's a lot of crap where the level of discourse is, 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 is low. And the thing you got to remember though, though, in all of that, is my goal here is not to get a bunch of clicks. My goal here is, because I don't really make a whole lot of money regardless of how many clicks there are on all this. My goal here is not to drive, tra- so I'm not driving traffic to some website. I'm not trying to you know, create some sort of national prominence or something like that for myself here. What I'm trying to do, this is, I'm an educator in so many ways. I mean, I coach, I teach, I podcast, and I, all of those are educational things as far as I'm concerned. And what I'm trying to do is make sure that people better understand what, what, what they're seeing on Saturdays and better understand what's going on in, in, in the program and all of that. But the thing you can't forget here is that as a former player, I understand how this works in terms of there's just some stuff that you don't take outside the family. And especially when it can hurt the program, right? That stuff that can hurt the program, you don't, you don't air your laundry out in public. And yeah, I know that, that most of the listeners of this show are going to be people who are Florida State fans and all of that. But I, I, think, I really think, and I said this uh, toward the end of Jim, Jimbo Fisher's tenure as well, I really think that a number of media, a number of Florida state media have hurt the program over the years in different cases. I mean, I know in a couple cases that recruits have been impacted by negative statements or by, you know, actually in, a, in, in at least one case, uh, a something being revealed that, you know, there was insider information that a guy was on campus and it, it was just such big news that 
that one of the outlets had to report it. And because of that, Florida State believed that they lost that kid because ultimately the visit that they tried to keep under the radar got exposed and the the program they were recruiting against was able to close the close that loop and it cost him a cost him a player. It might have at least. The staff felt it might it did. And I'm not gonna do that. You know, I want that I believe that there's certain stuff that stays in the family. And as long as as long as your family and as long as we're talking about something that could negatively impact the family, I don't want to air that. I don't want to put that out there. And that's one of the reasons, by the way, why I've got some of the access that I've got is the people there know I'm not out to burn them. The coaching staff knows, like, I'm not, I'm not out here to try to make the coaching staff look bad. Listen, I, you guys who've listened to this podcast know that I will criticize a number of things. I will criticize scheme. I will criticize uh, coaching and, and various technique issues and all of that. I will call some of that stuff out that, you know, you can look at the film and it's visible. Like, there, there's a problem here. I'll do that. But I'm sorry. I'm just not going to, I'm not going to air certain things that ultimately are going to have a, what in my view, in my judgment are going to have a deleterious effect on, on the program. I'm not going to be the one that's going to sit there and carp for years and years on how Florida state's, uh, uh, offensive line is substandard and you know, who would want to play for that, that offensive line coach. I'm just not going to do that because ultimately you really think that doesn't, it doesn't impact recruiting. Or if you're constantly carping about bad coaching this, bad coaching that, and just generally addressing those things, you think that doesn't impact the way the players, the culture of the team, and, the, and, and that doesn't get back to players in terms of you shouldn't be listening to your coaches. Your coaches don't know how to use you. You should be, you know, Nooney, you should be playing in front of Bobo Wilson. I was reminded actually this week because somebody posted, somebody uh, direct messaged me a post from the the, actually the, uh, the person who runs the Tallahassee Democrat, the publisher of the Tallahassee Democrat, and he said, "Hey, check check out, check this out." And I looked, and I went to click on it. Went, oh, I can't! I'm blocked because the publisher of the Tallahassee Democrat back in 2016, I guess probably, blocked me because he was he he ripped into me repeatedly about how I kept I I was saying that Nooney Murray really didn't shouldn't be playing over Boba Wilson because there were some discipline issues and a number of things that the coaching staff really felt like, yeah, I'm a little bit more talented probably as a player, but Bobo does what he's responsible to do. And you can't reward the way that Nooney's doing things. And I stuck to my guns and he eventually blocked me. You you guys could probably find that conversation. I, I don't know. But here's the thing. I'm pretty sure that he would admit now, knowing what we know in hindsight, a couple years later about Nooney Murray that, you know, I was telling the truth there, but a lot of people for two years were talking all this about how Florida state wasn't playing their more talented receivers and how dare they. And those receivers heard that they hear that all the time. And then that reinforces them. I'm not going to do that. What I will do is I'll use some of that information to give you the best analysis I can and to help you understand 
without throwing guys under the bus, without calling coaches trash or, or basically undermining the program itself, I'm going to, I'm going to do what I can to, to tell, to help you understand and better be able to evaluate what you're seeing. So what that means is that there are going to be times where if I have serious concerns about certain stuff, that stuff's going to go in the family. I'll, I'll, I, I might, that that's going to go around to for other former players and others that I'm, I know that I trust people who are in the family who also know how to keep things in house and hopefully that stuff can, you know, work its way to improve the product rather than going the other way. But like again, I don't get, I don't get anything out of breaking news. The most I'll do on that front periodically is just break something that's kind of not that important or it doesn't hurt anybody, just enough to be able to kind of say, look, this this sort of reestablishes that. I am aware of some of the stuff that's going on around there, but that's as much as I need to do because I don't benefit from breaking news. I'm trying to educate and to analyze, and that's a different task. And at the end of the day, what I, all I'm trying to, to communicate here is why decisions are made, what's going on, and, and, and help everybody know, know better what they're looking at. But I think it's good that there's stuff that's behind the scenes that people don't know. And I think it's good when... Media who cover a team don't push everything out in the uh, push all the dirty laundry out there. I don't think that kind of exposure is always good. And you know that's that's my view. If, and there's plenty of other people who cover the team who, if they get access to some of the some of the nasty stuff, well, they'll they'll probably air it. So you know you can find that stuff from them. But I'm I'm generally going to avoid that. And again, I. I I think that the the programs that I cover, I think that the people within those programs appreciate that I can distinguish between that which should get out there and that which is off the record and that which ultimately it, you know, maybe after, you know, long enough after the fact that it doesn't matter, doesn't affect anything that, you know, I can, I can explain something with that, but ultimately that, that stuff, uh, that stuff stays more in house. And I, I think that's, there's some value to that. This is not Washington D.C. These are not situations where you know you're dealing with state secrets that um, that if you keep this stuff hidden, then it's going to lead to the downfall of the United States. But I'll say this: if you know something, if you're a reporter and you you know something that is going to potent that's potential that's a state secret that could potentially jeopardize the United States, you don't share that. <laughs> you don't share that tidbit. You keep your mouth shut because you know that that's actually, it's your country. So I, I just, like I said, I don't agree that, uh, that I or anybody else owe, uh, the, the listeners owe, uh, more inside information in terms of, uh, of b- revealing some of the behind the scenes dysfunction where it is and all of that. I mean, I think every one of us knows that every organization has some degree of dysfunction. And sometimes that stuff gets fixed over time. So this is just how I'm going to do things. I'm going to continue to do things that way on this podcast. When Florida State hires a new coach, I will try to explain what that coach is doing, what he's thinking. There will be times where I will disagree with that coach, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to call that coach trash. I'm not going to uh, get personal. I'm, I'm, you know, it's just not what I believe in. 
And there's, and, and when certain stuff happens that I hear about behind the scenes, most of that stuff is just going to get filtered because I just don't think a lot of that stuff belongs out, outside the, uh, the practice field or, or the locker room, especially since, you know, those are cases where a lot of stuff happens and a lot of emotional stuff happens and, you know, stuff happens that ends up having to get fixed later. And, and if you don't give the space to do that, if you report on everything, it's not always good. It's rarely good. So that's just the way I'm going to do things. But anyway, before I move on, I want to go ahead and thank my second sponsor. That is Louis Marquez of Keller Williams Realty in Jacksonville, Florida. As I've told you many times, Louis is a trained photographer and videographer. So he's going to make sure that your house looks better. He's going to showcase your home, get it sold quickly for the best possible price. Ask for the drone package. It comes with listing with Lewis. So you know, it's not like you're paying extra for that. Give Lewis a call, email him mention, mention to him that you heard about him from the Unconquered Podcast. And if you're looking for a home in the greater Jacksonville area and you go with anybody other than Lewis, well, I'm sorry, you're not going to get the best deal. You're not going to find the best place as quickly as you would have if you'd gone with Lewis. So let him know you heard about him from the Unconquered Podcast. All right. Talking about Boston College. Boston College is a bad football team, folks. This is a game that I thought coming into the year that they would be a bad defense because every year that they've gotten every every year further removed from Don Brown, they've gotten uh, the worst things have gotten. They uh, they have they have not been good defensively this year at all. I mean, I'm just going to read off of uh, a tweet that I saw earlier today because I didn't. I it's easier to just do this. They are 114th in completion percentage allowed and 125th in total pass yardage allowed. That doesn't really matter. They are 81st in yards per carry. They are 104th in yards per play defensively and 95th in scoring defense. They're giving up 31.4 points per game. They're giving up 6.3 yards per play. And keep in mind that this is against a schedule that includes Richmond, Kansas, and, and Rutgers. They've given up 31 points a game against a schedule that includes those teams. They gave up 48 points to, to Kansas. <laughs> yeah. They gave up 27 to Syracuse the week after Syracuse played Florida State. And, and Syracuse was no better. It's not like they got players. They got more players. This is a bad defense. They gave up 59 to Clemson. Well, so did Florida State. Pretty close to. They gave up 39, 41 to Louisville. Lost to Wake Forest 27-24, which is close to what Florida State did, although they played actually a better Wake Forest team because there's the one that they played had uh, Jamie Newman. So they actually played Wake Forest closer than Florida State did. They gave up 28 points to Virginia Tech. This is, a, this is a bad defense. Now, at the same time, they've been able to score some points. They scored 35 against Virginia Tech and beat that Virginia Tech team. They scored, uh, they scored uh, 39 against Louisville in, the, in that loss. They scored 45 against NC State. Florida State didn't score that many. And they scored 58 against Syracuse. So they've started hitting their stride offensively. It's not a bad offensive team. As with any Boston College team, they're going to find ways to create gaps. They're going to be good up front, and they're going to run the football. That's what they do. So 
you know, that's 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 the real challenge here. Florida State's going to score over 30 points. If they don't score over 30 points in this game, then, you know, <laughs> that tells you that more people checked out than just Willie Taggart. But Florida State should score, you know, 40, 40 plus points in this game. It should. Because Boston College is bad on defense and they have and they don't have really good players on defense. The real question is how many how many play or how many points can Florida State how many points will Florida State give up and how well will Florida State's defense play against this Boston College team? That's the real question. Because again, they've started hitting their stride later in the year. I mean, they started early on. When you get beat 48 to 24 by Kansas, that's a mm, that's that's not good, Bob. But then Losing 41-39 to Louisville, eh, it's iffy. Score 45-24 against a bad NC State team, that's actually okay. 58-27 to against a bad Syracuse team, they're taking care of business there. So they've made some progress, and you can see, again, they're scoring more points. The most they'd scored early in the year against a Power 5 team before the Louisville game was 35 against Virginia Tech, and then the next highest was 30 against Rutgers. But then you look at what they've done three of the last four games, 39, 45, 58. And then there's that seven in there where they played against Clemson. But they they started hitting their stride offensively in the last few games. Now, those are bad defenses. But it's not like Florida State's been exactly, uh, you know, a bunch of stalwarts defensively either. They average 9.21 yards per play against Syracuse offensively. Over seven yards per play in four of the last five games. And 2.85 yards per play against Clemson. But they they had seven yards per play against Wake Forest, seven yards per play, 7.22 against Louisville, 7.09 against NC State, and 9.21 against Syracuse. Now, to put it in perspective, against Florida State, Syracuse's defense gave up 6.16 yards per play. So they averaged another 30% more per play against Syracuse than Florida State did. So offensively, they're a pretty good team. They're decent. Florida State, however, is in position where they should be able to to limit a lot of what they do. With Marvin Wilson out, though, and Wilson was announced out today with a uh, for the rest of the season with a, with a hand injury, and you know that's going to make things a lot more difficult for that defense because that defense is very different when he's out there versus when he's when he's not. But Florida State, this is a game where that tight front that they that they've moved to this year, where they're running two basically three defensive tackles across and playing in in, uh, in those four eye positions with the two defensive tackles and the nose over the uh, in the in the zero. Again, four I is where you're lined up over the over the offensive tackle and just shaded to the inside. A zero is right over the center. With that tight front, this is actually that's actually a pretty good look to stop a lot of what what Clemson does, or I'm sorry, what Boston College does. That's what happens when I'm looking at my notes. Uh, but what Boston College does because they do want to run it down your throat. They absolutely want to run it down your throat, and Florida State's going to. The, the strength up the middle should help there. The real concern in this game, and if Florida State loses this game, it's almost certainly because 
Boston College was able to use, they, they use a, a bunch of jet sweep action. They use all that sort of thing. And then they also run a lot of off-tackle zone stuff and all that. If they're able to get the edge, and it's possible that they'll be able to get the edge in this game. Miami did. If they're able to get to the edge in the running game, then you know Florida State could lose this game in a high-scoring affair. I mean, again, you look at their running, running game. They're averaging 5.48 yards per, per rush. They average seven yards per rush against Syracuse. And they have one of the two or three best running backs in the league, in the ACC. I mean, they average two yards per carry more against Syracuse than Florida State did. So the, the real task, can you keep them from going off in the running game? And this is going to be a, a, a low temperature game. But can you keep them off, from going off in the running game? This is one of those games where playing press on the outside, forcing them to beat you over the top, forcing them to make throws down the field in order to beat you while committing to stop the run is the right approach. Defensively, you commit to stop the run. You stop the run no matter what. Because this is a team that is averaging 5.5 yards per carry or just under. Passing-wise, they're okay. Not great, but okay. I mean, you look at their passer rating on the season, 144.38, 17 touchdowns, four interceptions as a team. That's not bad. But you look at that completion percentage of 53, 53%, and the reason that they're, you know, getting those, that, that, that they're getting those, uh, play, those 17 touchdowns, four interceptions is that they're getting that off of play action and, being able to get some open receivers there again, if you've got a decent secondary, if you've got Florida state's athletes in the secondary, and here's the real question is, can you teach them? Can you get them to cover correctly? But if you've got this, you want to play pressure defense and force them to have to throw when you want them to throw. It's about getting them off schedule. Can you limit them in the running game? That's a simple, I mean, it's, it's super simple. Do everything possible to stop their running game. And if they beat you throwing the ball, then fine. But you look at their last two wins, North Carolina State, they threw for 103 yards. That's not a lot. But they rushed for 429. They rushed for 496 against Syracuse. 195 passing yards in that game. They had a few busts in the secondary, 19.5 yards per attempt as Syracuse was doing what they could to sell out to stop the run and couldn't stop the run and therefore also got gashed on, on, a, on three long pass plays. But overall, you know, they're not, they're not throwing for a bunch of yards. You're going to commit to stopping the run and make them pass. If you can make them do that, then, you know, you got a good chance of, of limiting them. And then again, and then again, defensively, they're just, they're bad across the board. 4.5 yards per, per carry rushing. You should be able to run the ball, should be able to, should be able to average over four yards per carry rushing. Even with the off- even with the offensive line that you've got, and then passing wise, that's where they've 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 been pretty awful. They're giving up better passing stats on the season than they have. They're giving up eight point four four yards per per attempt, passing wise. So, if you're Florida State, take advantage of that throw the ball a little bit on first down 
and then offset that with some with some you know and do that off the RPO game. So, you know, you've got your box. You count the box if you've got a one on one you like, and they they're loading up the box to stop the run. Take your RPO on the outside because you're probably going to win that. And with the receivers you've got, they're going to make some plays. It's real simple. I do think that this will this should be a close game though because even as bad as they are defensively, they're they're going to be tough for Florida State to stop defensively just because of the the way that Florida State has, continues not to play up to their athletes and with Marvin Marvin Wilson out that changes the dynamic dra- dramatically in terms in terms of stopping the run. So it really boils down to me that the success or failure of this game boils down to me to whether or not Florida State's able to stop the run. I will be interested to see what Bryles' offense looks like this week since he's basically going to have carte blanche to do what he wants. It's going to be really interesting. This is basically a coin flip game. Be interesting. I think the players will play hard for, for Odell Higgins. They didn't stop playing hard for, for Willie Taggart until really the end, the, the second half of the, of the Miami game. There were points where it's the first time this season you could see their heads drop and, and guys starting to starting to quit it's the first time i don't think you'll see that in this game they know they're playing for a bowl and ultimately i do th- I, florida state should be favored in this game they i mean they're favored by two and a half and they should be boston college is a bad football team so is florida state but ultimately i think florida state wins this game i'm gonna i'm gonna pick them to win close I'm going to say Florida State wins 41 30. I'll, I'll go, uh, let's say, yeah, 41 to uh, 38. Florida State escapes against the Boston College team that can score some points, but also is going to give up a ton. And like I said, about a 55% win, win percentage. I would, wouldn't be shocked to see either team win this game, but I think Florida State should win this game again. Just, just going to go with it. All right. Um, one, one final thing I've gotten a number of questions about. Uh, coaching board and you know what what am I hearing and all of that I did talk a little bit about that about Bob Stoops and all that at the beginning I don't think Florida State's going to get Bob Stoops but you know I could be wrong but I don't think that's going to happen uh, again hearing the stuff that I've heard from the Stoops side of things I just don't think Florida State's going to going to be able to lure him uh, despite the fact that they've put on put a lot of stuff on the table uh, so end of the day the next question is where do you go from there and I've been very clear uh, on some of my favorite candidates from the beginning. I do think that there's a couple of major coaches that you, you should kick the tires on. I, I think I think Gus Malzahn would be an interesting option. I think you could probably get him with a negotiated, basically no buyout at, at Auburn, where Auburn probably is ready to move on. And I think Malzahn would probably jump at the chance to take that job. And I think Malzahn's a really good coach. And you're talking about a guy that, as far as I'm concerned, the Chiswick title is as much Malzahn's as Gene Chizik's, maybe more so. And then he took that team to a second national title game, which we all saw against Florida State. And they gave that Florida State team trouble, even though they were by far not nearly as good as that Florida State team. Obviously, Damian Craig had some had, had a hand in that. But that tells you how good, how good a coach Gus Malzahn is. And when he's in a division, no longer he's no longer in a division with Alabama, Texas A&M, LSU, and you know, Miss, Mississippi State and playing Georgia cross division every year, then he's got, uh, he, he's in a better place and he knows it. And Tallahassee has a, a waffle house. That's well-placed for him to go after wins. <laughs> so I would, I would seriously kick the tires on Gus Malzahn. Uh, I would, 
I would kick the tires on on James Franklin. I wouldn't do I wouldn't do it for too long, but I would kick the tires on him. If if he inquired in it, about it before, I'd check it, check on it again. And you know, the main thing is to make sure that you get the best coach possible, not that you hire the first guy that wants in. But I'd I'd talk to those two guys, and then I would talk to uh, Matt Campbell at Iowa State. I've, I I already said that uh, on the, on the prior. Uh, one of the best offensive line guys in the country and a guy who can really run a program, super organized, would bring one of the best and most innovative defensive coordinators in the country with him, unless Iowa State kept him to hire on. But Campbell was instrumental in installing that uh, very innovative scheme as well. Uh, and then, uh, you know, I, I really like Jeff Brom, but I don't think he's sellable. I think Matt Rule is a really good coach and that buyout is probably too big. And then... PJ Fleck, I know uh, at least one person that that knows him and I trust uh, pretty pretty well in terms of evaluating coaching talent. Thinks he's really really good. I'm open to him, but I'm I'm a little bit more skeptical about Fleck. Uh, partly because I know that that eight no that he has at uh, at Minnesota is about to come crashing to earth uh, once they actually play a team with a pulse and a starting quarterback. And you know the the track record there is. There, there are a couple things that just give me pause on, on whether or not the track record there is as good as it seems to be. But he does seem to be a really good coach. He's coached with some really good coaches and, and has a good pedigree. So he's somebody else I'd kick the tires on and I'd talk to. Uh, I'm, I'm not 100% sold on him, but I could be potentially talked into him. The other guys that I mentioned, I, I would be sold on, on, on those guys uh, as, as coaches at Florida State, period. As for who they're talking to, well... I do know that they'll at, at some point that Fleck will be on uh, in discussion. Uh, I know that there have been that several of the others that I mentioned have been discussed, but I don't actually I'm not privy to all of the names that that are under discussion, and and especially now that the uh, search firm is involved. So and and also I'm not going to try to break news on this necessarily. I mean, if something comes to me, then I'll 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 go with it. But again, not if it not if I feel like it's going to hurt the, the process. Um, but what I will do is I'll evaluate what I think is. Uh, what I think of the hire and what I think of the possibilities as these things start to come to come come to the surface a little bit more, and uh, we'll go from there. But until then, we're going to go ahead and wrap up here. As always, the last portion of the show brought to you by Garage Makeovers, the top-rated garage remodeling company in South Florida, according to Home Advisor and Angie's List. If you need any garage work done and you live in Palm Beach or Broward County, you need to call Garage Makeovers. Let them know you heard about it from the Unconquered Podcast. And as always, I want to thank those supporters over at Patreon above the bleach numbers level. That is Keith Cheney, Casey Kidd, Chris Chartrand, Andrew Garrett, Brian Leninger, and Bert Bertoldi. And I will be back with my post-game hot takes after the game on Saturday. Look forward to talking to you all then. I made this.